Hey everybody, this is Uncle Jeff, and I've got Uncle Chris with me, and we're the $2 Bills, and you're you're the Blue Collar Commandos. So welcome to our fourth podcast and an unlimited number and of potential that we've got here to share with you some of the things that that uh in the hunting and the outdoors world that we just wanted to get out there and uh have some fun with. So Uncle Chris, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, Jeff. How you doing, man? I uh haven't been on here in a while. No, man. We've had a little took a little hiatus over after the holidays. So you know our last our last uh session we had was the Christmas Day episode with the boys and that was a really good time, wasn't it? It was. I I had a great time back back when life was normal. <laughs> back when life was normal. I think we need a 2020 reset. Absolutely. Well, I think we're getting it. I think we're we're in the pause button right now. And um so I agree with that. Yeah, it's true, man. You know, a lot's happened. I, you know, I'm in Virginia, you're in North Carolina and man in the last the last 90 days in Virginia at least, I know we've dealt with a lot of uh, Second Amendment stuff, big scare we had going on there with nothing really major that came out of that. And now, of course, the we're in the throes of the COVID-19 stuff. And I know we're all trying to quarantine and wash our hands and do everything we can. And we definitely want to send our thoughts and prayers to anybody, any of our listening audience that's had anybody that's suffered from that or or uh, succumbed to that or anything. Uh, we hope not. But, um, you know, it, it's kind of like the silent silent killer here man you don't know if anybody's got it or if you're doing what you can to stay out of it or what you know chris yeah and that's that's true and and um so i, I equally I, I echo what you said if anybody's listening and um, i'm sure that uh, people that are listening somebody knows somebody or they they themselves have been um personally dealing with it so our thoughts and prayers are definitely with you amen brother amen so hey dude man so how'd your deer season end up last year well um uh for the first time in my whole life i struck early and then it cooled way off um so i got one the first day and um saw a lot of deer we got some new land that's been in some previous uh podcasts but uh it was good just overall now we're trying to um well, before this virus hit, we were trying to prepare our land, and now we're just kind of, uh, just kind of taking some time. But um, was able to um, after deer season, was able to uh, on this land. There's some there's some swamps and beaver ponds, and so me and uh, my oldest son were able to do a lot of duck hunting, and I really enjoyed that this year. First time I've ever duck hunted, and absolutely enjoyed it. Man, you're just proving what I've always heard, Chris. I just that uh, I've never been duck hunting myself, and we talked about that a little bit. But I hear once you go, man, it's addicting. It, it I never dreamed that it would be get getting up in the morning, going standing in water. I'd love it, but I whether I shot a duck or did not shoot a duck, it, which I didn't shoot that many, but man, it is fun and and it's over quick. We down here we um. We got mostly mallards and wood ducks, and they fly early, and you get done early. So you get out there, get set up. You got about 30, maybe 40 minutes of hunting, and then you go on to the Waffle House. <laughs> and we've done that before, and that didn't turn out too well either, but we'll cover that on, <laughs> on another episode sometime. But, uh, yeah, I look forward to, to checking that out checking out the duck hunting man maybe we have daffy duck on here sometime as a uh as a guest speaker down the road so, so but dude speaking of the winged fowl we you know the theme of the show today is turkey hunting we are in the state of virginia at least we're uh three days away from youth weekend of opening season turkey and man, i'm really excited again to have our almost like the lead of the blue collar commandos man our good buddy roger minton's going to be on with us today he's an experienced turkey hunter and guide and and uh, we got a lot of good feedback from his his last episode with us of great great ideas that he had. And he's going to be talking turkey hunting with us today. So, uh, Chris, what's your turkey hunting plans this year? Are you going to be able to do some of that despite what what we got going on right now? I am. You know, the good thing about um, hunting is, um, especially turkey hunting, uh, most hunting is by yourself. So um, I'm going to be able to. I've been getting up in the mornings and going out to the land and listening already and seeing where they're at i knew where they were at deer season uh, but they changed from deer season to now and so i've been i've been going out there 
four or five mornings a week and just kind of listening, see where the uh, turkeys are. And so uh, neither one of my boys are interested in going. So it'll be uh, the 11th, I think the 11th here, uh, 11th of April is when uh, it opens here. So I'll definitely be going out there. Yeah, same thing for us. Our normal season opens the 11th, and and I don't know the exact dates, and this might be the same for some of our listeners too, where for the first couple of weeks you can only hunt till noon, and then for the rest of the couple of weeks you can hunt all day long. So so we'll get out there and, and hunt early, hunt often, and see what we can squirrel up. But as you and I both know, man, and I, and I swear I've said this for the last couple of years because I've been unsuccessful in my turkey hunts, I'm convinced that I am the turkey. And, and I'm the one out there <laughs> acting like a fool and, and trying to find one of these daggone birds that I don't even know how, how good it tastes, but we're going to figure that out too this year. Cause I'm going to, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be blank this year, but I'm looking forward to getting out there on, on Saturday morning and coming home and seeing how many chiggers or ticks or any of that stuff we get. And, uh, like the, the usual season there and, uh, having some fun. I think Jacob's going to go out with me, my son, he's the, he's the hunter of the three sons I've got, and he still qualifies as a as an apprentice, I believe, and that's when he can get out this weekend and um, see if we can, you know, have some updates for our next podcast. Maybe uh, get some get some pictures out there and maybe even get a little film at eleven on that opportunity. Bring out bring out the old uh, camera that mounts on my gun there and see what happens. But it should be a good time. You know, I tell you, with with Roger coming on, there's always stuff to learn. Every time I talk to that guy, he gives me another perspective, another thing to try, another thing to do, and. And as I mentioned on a prior podcast, he was half the reason for my success last year with some tips he gave me on the deer, had a good, good successful deer season. Um, and I'm hoping that that translates to the turkey time, man. Turkey time. Now, now, now Chris, you, you got any turkey experience as far as any kills or anything like that? Uh, no. I, several years ago, Jeff, I've probably been turkey hunting a total of uh, 10 times. I've, I've never really gotten into turkey hunting several years ago a friend of mine uh, asked me to go and uh, had some turkeys on the land we were deer hunting and I said I I don't know anything about it but I want you to come out there he's he's a very very experienced turkey hunter and we went out there heard this gobbler coming right toward us we got seated got my gun up I mean He's like, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming right beside this pine tree. He's coming right beside this pine tree. Get ready. And so uh, right as it was about to crest this little hill, it turned and walked to my right. I'm pointing my gun as everything was pointed to the left. We're up under a little four-foot pine tree, and it came out about 40 yards to the right. And when I spun to shoot it, yeah, the least little movement with those things, he gone. He gone. So I shot, but I missed it. But the the thing about turkey hunting, and I went that year, I probably went those 10 times, saw turkeys every time I went, uh, did ne- never went that I didn't see turkeys, but that was the only one that got close enough that I could even get a shot. I would, we would see him. 60 yards away 70 80 90 yards away and could never get them called in real close so i'm really looking forward to right i can't call i've tried uh you know I, i've been with you and we've tried and uh i sound like a cow dying in a hailstorm so uh, um yeah so i'm looking forward to uh to roger getting on here and i i learned so much from him during um deer season and so I'm really looking forward to hearing what he has to say about turkey hunting. Yeah, me too, man. I, I remember there's two stories about turkey hunting. One was um, I was going to a Bass Pro. They had a a professional there uh, who was giving you know, some turkey tips and stuff. And I think it was down there in Concord when we were down at our in-laws. Yeah, I was and, with you. Oh, yeah. And and the guy said – I asked the guy, I said, uh, I said, you know, we do all this scent control for deer and stuff like that. And, you know, and I'm a new turkey hunter. I don't have any clue about this stuff. And he's really nice. I said, you know, do we need to worry about scent control when it comes to turkey hunting? And that guy, I remember that guy looked at me and he said, son, if turkeys could smell, we'd never kill them. I remember that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, yeah, that's that's crazy. where we got those mouth calls that we thought we were so good <laughs> at. And I, the guy I'm talking about, I, I, we were on the way to go turkey hunting and I put that thing in he said, can you call? I said, yeah, listen. 
and I put that <laughs> I put that diaphragm call in my mouth, thought I was rocking it. I said, How'd that sound? He said, Leave that thing in the truck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay yeah those mouth calls man i still have not figured it out yet and i know it's got to be a, there's i'm just not holding my mouth right i mean as they, as they right. get around something's just not active so we use a box call like a spring box call and um i know we're going to try to get a guest on here that makes his own call sometime and i uh we're excited about having him on here and i'm sure he can teach us a lot you know but there's another my favorite turkey story it's not really a, a funny turkey story but it's just one that means a lot to me is about two years ago three years ago first actually first year we ever took the boys the twins hunt turkey hunting and benjamin was with uh uh amory and i think he shared it at christmas on the story about the him turkey hunting with amory which is a good story but um so i'm in the i'm in this we're on the corner of this field jacob decided he wanted to sit in a tree stand in the corner of the field so if you can imagine he's in that corner and we call that corner jacob's ladder because uh, he shot his first deer out of that and then jonathan and i or to Jacob's left in a in a thicket of in the thicket of woods, and I got a couple decoys out between us and and Jacob, and so um, the visualization is necessarily important. But but I get out there, you know, sun breaks and or the the sun starts coming up, and I make a couple calls, and do the daggone woods just ignite, just absolutely ignite, and it's just we hear turkeys everywhere, and I'm like, this is going to be the day, and so. We, I start calling a little bit, calling a little bit, and I look to my left, which is my, you know, Jacob's to probably my 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock in that deer stand. And, and I see this big old Tom just waddling right down the field, right, coming right down at it, coming right down at it, walks right in front of Jacob's deer stand. I mean, just probably does the, the do-si-do around his deer stand and just keeps on walking. And I'm thinking the whole time, I'm like, shoot, you know, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like the guy, shoot him, shoot him, you know, I, I'm like, what the heck are you waiting on? I have done my job here, boy, you know, what's going on. And so, and so afterwards, you know, you know, we, we sit there for 40 minutes and at that point he gone, right. They ain't coming back. That, that, that opportunity is done. And so we get back, we get down, we get back to camp and we're all like, what in the world are you doing? That Turkey was right in front of you. Why did you not shoot it? And Jacob came up with a story around, you know, it, it, I, I, he, I didn't see him coming. I feel if I saw him, I would have, you know, moved. He would have gone away. I wouldn't have had a shot. And so Jacob came up with all this stuff, and we just kept railing Jacob and feel really bad about it now. And and here's the cool thing: is really as a dad, really moves me, and it still kind of moves me when I talk about it. Is Jacob and Jonathan are twins, um, born really premature. Jonathan's had a lot of brain surgeries and stuff, but he's he's awesome. He's a great kid, perfectly fine. Liberty University, you know, two three point five hour. He's a good kid now. But Jonathan had a hard week that week for a lot of reasons at school. And, you know, me and Ashley might have been on him a little too hard about some things bothering us. And, and he just had a really rough week. And so afterwards, Jacob came to me and said, Dad, he said, I could have shot that turkey. I could have shot that turkey 10 times. And he started crying. And he said, but Jonathan had such a bad week. And neither one of us had ever killed a turkey. I wanted Jonathan to kill that turkey. I thought it was going to walk right down the path right in the yeah. middle of Jonathan and let Jonathan take that Turkey. Wow. And I, and I did it for, I did not shoot that Turkey because I wanted him to shoot it. And so I'm like, son, and I kind of teared up and it's a, it was a cool moment from a father son perspective to see a son sure. have that humility. And cause nobody ever shot a Turkey and Jake is my hunter. He's the guy that wants to go out and kill a squirrel or rabbit. He don't kill, kill a bird. I mean, he, he just wants to do that stuff. And, and it just meant a lot to me. That's my favorite turkey hunting story. Now, the end of the story is that turkey didn't come down that path. So we did, we lost the turkey, of course. But that that we won the battle that day. So we won the war that day um, as a father, son, and brother type situation. And, and it's cool, man. It was a good day. Good day. Great story. Great story. Yeah, yeah. man. Well, well, speaking of great stories, you know, we got a uh, Roger. He's always full of some fun and and uh, and some stuff. So we're going. What we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with with our head blue collar commando Roger Minton, who's going to who's going to talk to us about turkey hunting and give us all some good tips. But before we go, we definitely want to thank you know our sponsor Commonwealth Firearms, um, Virginia's low cost, high quality dealer, and uh, for for what that what they're doing. You can check Commonwealth Firearms. There's a YouTube page as well as seven five seven firearms dot com, um, and and also want to thank Jed Bays as well for the intro and outro music and and we're excited today as well as the devotion that Chris has for us, um, Uncle Chris has for us at the end today. So let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with Roger Minton. 
Hey, everybody, we're back. We're uh, so excited now to have our segment with our good buddy and kind of the 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 name by Chris and I, leader of the Blue Collar Commandos right now. And, and he, he spent some time with us last time and talked about some deer hunting tips and did some great stuff for us. And Chris and I actually had some success off of that. And and we're really excited to have him today, man. He, we're going to call this kind of turkey hunting tips with uh, Roger Minton. And so, Roger, man, thanks for being on the call today. Hey, man, I'm glad to be here, man. Yeah, we're glad to have you, and, and I know you and I have talked a lot about in the past, and you've got a lot of turkey hunting success, and, and buddy, tis the season. Are you excited about it, or what are you thinking right now? Man, I'm I'm just sad that my kids are too old to go on youth day now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got that coming next week, or this weekend, Saturday. This, this, yeah, this weekend is youth weekend, yes, sir. Well, you need to adopt a kid that can't hold a gun. Man, I've... <laughs> I've I've asked to take my friends' kids. If any anybody can get me in the woods to call a turkey, that's all I wanted to do this weekend. <laughs> yeah, man, it's it's the time. I think we're gonna head out tomorrow or Friday night and see if we can hear anything for Saturday morning. And maybe just go out there and see what see what type of trouble we can get into. That's right. So, well, man, well, hey, so what what are you doing to prep for turkey season? When it's this time of the year, what what are you spending time doing out there that our audience might get some tips off of? Man, I, I tell you, the last, last probably two weeks and uh, any day during the week, I get some time off, you know, before daylight, I'm already in the woods, I'm listening. Um, just trying to locate them, just trying to figure out what their patterns are from, from spring to spring. You know, they change every year, but, you know, you'll notice a lot of times that, that birds will continue to roost in the same general area. So I'll check those spots as soon as I can. And I just, I listen for them, man. And, and once I find one, you know, I'll, I'll come back the next week or the next day and see if he's still in the same general area. And I try to figure out which direction he's heading because, you know, you can hear a bird, a bird roost and come in on the south side of him. But if he flies down and goes, you know, north, then you're, you're out of luck. So I, I tend to try to try to get a pattern on him as, as best I can to figure out where they're going, you know, what their preferred food is at the time or their strut zones or what they're doing in the morning. And then I, I try to position myself between them. Yeah. So let's let's expand on that, because it's interesting. Some of the okay. feedback, positive feedback that. I think it's positive feedback that, that I've gotten. I'm sure Uncle Chris has gotten too is, you know, we got a lot of friends and family who may or may not be hunting, but they're actually listening listen to our podcast. I mean, I get text messages like, Hey man, I don't really hunt, but I'm having a good time listening to this stuff. And so there might, let's talk about some context around what you just said. So if, okay. you know, let's take it back to elementary school here. If you were going to tell a 10 year old kid who's never been hunting so when you're talking about going out and spotting them what in the world and, and calling them and what what exactly does that mean to you and what's that look like all right um in my opinion and this is just an opinion maybe an old wives tale but uh when a bird likes to roost he likes to hear his poop hit the water um i've been told that by a lot of old timers so i'll go out and i'll try to find a long swamp maybe or a creek or a pond edge or something that i can get close to and i can hear him from a distance um I, I try to, you know, when I'm just scouting would be a little different than actually turkey hunting. But if I'm just scouting, you know, I just sit back and I listen. You know, I, I try to let him gobble on his own. If I think he's there and I really think he's there and he's not gobbling, you know, I'll use maybe a locator call on an owl or a crow maybe to get him to call, to get him to gobble. Um, but I won't I won't use a hen call or a turkey call yet. It's not not till season starts. I won't do it. Yeah, so that's a man. That's a whole other thing I want to talk to you about is is turkey calls, right? And so when, uh-huh. and when you're talking about roosting for our audience, that means they're up up high in a tree and and uh, or they're headed to a tree to get up and right. and, and spend the night and and uh, hopefully find a turkey like Roger's talking about, locate them and then go camp camp out next to them and hopefully find one. But for Roger, when it comes to calls, man, there's there's a bunch of calls out there, a bunch of styles of there calls are. out there. So there you know, if, if let's talk about it. if you're new to turkey hunting. What would you uh-huh. recommend if you're experienced in turkey hunting? What would be the next step? So when you think of calls, man, what would you what advice would you have out there? Um, as far as calling or just the calls themselves? The, yeah, the um, calls themselves. Yeah. If you're a beginner call, a begin beginner turkey hunter, you know, and you're just learning to call, stay away from a diaphragm. They're they're hard to learn, and a lot of people end up can't be consistent with it. If if you can be consistent with it, that's fine, but. As far as a beginner, I would say either a slate call or a box call because it's simple to use. It's very consistent sounding, and 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 turkeys respond to them. You know, I mean that. You know, a lot of old timers will tell you that just the same. You know, they've killed just as many with nothing but a slate call or nothing but a box call. But th- those are the two calls I would I would go to off the bat. I got you, man. Now, in in the diaphragm, and Chris and I in our intro talked about some funny stories of trying to figure out a diaphragm, man. And we, we that's that's like 
phase two for for us, Uncle Chris. Unless you've gotten better at that in the last uh, little bit, you still struggling with the diaphragm, Uncle Chris? Yeah, I keep that in the drawer. Um, <laughs> Robert, um, I wanted to, you know, as Jeff said, and you know, we have some folks listening and um, may not be uh, really understand turkey hunting. One of the things that I found most incredible about turkey hunting is, uh, in all other species of hunting, the, the, the males are out looking for the females. Correct. And so you're trying to, uh, is, you know, you're trying to get a male on his way looking for a female. Now, turkeys are the exact opposite of that, right? The females go to the turkey. Correct. The female, it's in, in nature, she goes to him. That's right. And so, um, you know, I, doing a, have, you know, mimicking a hen, um, you know, turkeys don't, I, I thought, well, if you mimic a hen, the gobbler will come to that call. But that's not, how, how do you work that uh, for somebody like me who's, 101 and calling how, how do you work that and, and what calls i know there's a fly down call i know there's a, yep. a different just kind of go over you know what what are the essential calls for beginners um man i i, I tell you I, i've killed more turkeys doing nothing but a yelp than i have getting out in the call in the world and in the woods and you're, you're trying to sound like every call every putt per cluck and yelp and you're trying to fly down cackle and do it all a lot of times, man, people just overdo it. I mean, I've, I've, I've hit a soft tree call in the morning and I've had that bird gobble at me and I've shut right up and I've yelped four or five times and had him come right to me and kill him. You know, it might take an hour, but uh, it with anything, man, you know, l- less is more with calling, but you, you can kill a bird with just a yelp, just a soft, soft yelp. And to me, to me, when people call the, the biggest the biggest thing people do wrong starting off is calling too loud. You know, when you're, when you're calling it a Turkey first thing in the morning, you know, he just woke up that hen just woke up. N- nobody, not, not in my world or in my home anyway, nobody gets out of bed and just starts screaming and yelling. You know what I mean? And so, so when, when you're, when you're sitting two ridges over from that Turkey, he can hear you if you just barely hit that call. So there's no need to scream on it as loud as you can and try to get that bird two miles from you to gobble. If right, that there, there's no point in that because that, that's almost going to alarm him. You know what I mean? Cause like I say, nobody gets out of bed and just starts screaming and hollering, running around crazy. You know, they, they, they soft call and, you know, just kind of whisper around and they fly down and get their stuff together, stretch their bones and get the, get the creeks out of their bones. And then they go on about their day. But, wow. Well, I think, I think I just identified one of the many reasons I've never killed a turkey. So, because I'm going out there and I'm just going to blow it up, dude. I get that box call and I'm like, wah, 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 wah. you know, I'm just going to town on that thing. And uh, oh man, I'll, I'll call so I'll call so so softly that if that bird's 50 yards from me, I'm I'm wondering if he can even hear me. I mean, I'm barely making a sound with my call that early in the morning. Wow, wow, it's a good call. Yeah, a lot of like I say, volume is everything. You know what I mean? You, you don't want to. You don't want to come out screaming. Now, now there's other times that you want to turn that volume up and, and blow his eardrums. You know, if it's if it's up in the morning, you know, and you know you're you're ten o'clock and 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 you haven't heard him, or you might hear him way off. Yeah, you want to turn that call up, or or even even first thing in the morning if he's gobbling, you know, and and he hits the ground and shuts up, and and you, you're not sure on him, or or if he hangs up on you. If, if you got him gobbling, saying he's coming in and he hangs up on you a little bit, you know, there's different ways to approach that and every bird's different, you know, but one way to get him excited would be just like, like late in the season, say he's been a little weary to some calling or something like that. He's just hung up on you and won't come in. A lot of times, you know, you can, you can get real loud and real fast with some cuts and yelps. And then once you get him talking back, you'll get him excited because you're sounding like an excited hen. So late, late in the morning, a situation like that, there's times that you can turn that volume way up or on a windy day, you may need to do the same. But for the most part, I'd say, man, turn the volume way down on your call. Well, you just hit on something, too, that I, I'm sure is an area I've failed in this space. But so when no, I you, haven't failed, when, haven't failed, haven't failed yet. When, I'm learning exactly when when do you give up on a Tom? When do you say he ain't coming back? He gone. 
when the season's over. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so there's no point at like 10 o'clock. You hadn't heard anything in an hour. You're getting up and moving. Um, well, for me, the, the homework tells the story there. If, if I know, if I know he's flying down off the roost and he's hit, he's hitting the top of this ridge, he's feeding with a couple hens, but they're working their way to this field. If I, if I call him and he flies down and he works the other direction, I'm like, man, you know, where's he going? He's got to be going to that field. That's where he's been going. So I'm going to back out, circle around, set up in the field and wait on him to get there. I'll do some real soft calls and just let him know there's a turkey already in the field. But I, I won't, I won't give up on him. I mean, I've, I've killed turkeys that, that have came in two hours later, you know, but because t- turkeys are smart, man, they're, they're really smart. They, they know where you are. When you're calling, they know where you are, and and he may have a hen with him right now at nine o'clock in the morning. He have he may have a hen with him, but by ten o'clock, he may be done with that hen, and he's coming back to where he heard that turkey this morning. He'll come back. Gotcha. You know, I'd heard a story, and I don't know if it's true or not, but that you can make a call, and a turkey a mile away can hear it and come to about a fifty foot circle of where you were. That's what they say. That's like with me when I when I go to call, and if if I'm calling a bird and I'm working that bird. If he gets within 75, 100 yards of me, I shut up and won't make a sound. I make him come look for me then because when he gets that close, he, he can pinpoint you. Mm. And that's the last thing you want is that turkey to pinpoint you. I mean, he's going to see you move. There's nothing you can do. <laughs> mm. That's another problem we just identified. <laughs> appreciate, <laughs> appreciate that, Roger. Yeah, I've been like nah. basically calling him from across the field and yeah. saying, hey, come on over. Here I am. Come on. Yeah, I say, man, if, if I could throw one tip out there with, with turkey, other than calling and the volume of your call, I think the volume of your calling is one of the biggest things. But a lot of guys like to run decoys, myself included. Um, decoys can either help you or hurt you real bad. If, if the, the placement of your decoys to me is critical you know, and what decoys you're using at the time, you know, depend, depending on the situation. But if I've got, you know, I, I don't want to have five or six hens out decoys out in front of me. That That's almost intimidating for a lone bird. Um, you don't want to have two or three jakes together because jakes will, you know, tend to gang up on a solo bird and run him off. Um, the placement of your decoys, like a lot of guys nowadays are starting to use full strut decoys with a, with a gobbler, you know, and I use one myself, but the placement of that gobbler decoy is critical to me. Um, when a, when a bird comes in to another gobbler decoy, he's coming in in an aggressive manner. So he's going to come face to face bird in front of him. So when you place a gobbler decoy up, you want that gobbler decoy facing away from you so that when the turkey you're trying to hunt, it comes in, he's coming in facing you and constantly giving you a good clean headshot. You don't want that. Mm. You don't want the gobbler decoy facing you and then him come around and be facing away from you and you can't get a shot at that bird. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? Yeah. You ever use a turkey fan? I got one of those too. I got about everything you can get for this yep. stuff. Try to yes, sir. I do. Yep. My, <clears throat> my actual, my, my gobbler decoy, I have a real fan on my, on my gobbler decoy. Oh, wow. But, well, oh, yeah. Gotcha. Rod. Roger, um, I know that, you know, and I, gosh, I'm learning a lot, just like I did when you talked about deer hunting. But um, what, what is your now? Do you use a 12 gauge, and what, what size shot do you use? Um, um, yeah, I use a 12 what, gauge. Um, I, I tell you, man, I, I use a three and a half just because you know I like to be able to reach out and touch them if I need to. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I do. I use a 12 gauge. I mean, 20 gauges are fine just as well as long as you've, as you've got a good a good shell behind that gun. You know what I mean? Right. Do you have a favorite? Um, do you have a favorite load that you prefer to shoot? I mean, like a like a friend of mine. A friend of mine is he has this thing. He wants to kill a turkey with multiple uh, gauges, and so he's obviously killed one with twelve, twenty. This year, he just bought. I just saw it the other day. He bought a brand new four ten. He's loading his own shells. He's patterning, nice. and um. He was talking about the different lead sizes. Uh-huh. How, how, I mean, I never heard this. That, I mean, obviously it's common sense, but he said, I prefer this ounce weight because of sh- uh, shot because it's going to. I mean, do you, do you get that technical with it? Uh, times I, I don't, my, my ability to call, 
it, I, I feel like if you've got to take 60 yard shots, then you need to brush up on your calling. If you the yards, you know, your setup is wrong or the bird's just hard to kill, you know, but I mean, I, I don't, I don't make it a habit of trying to touch that bird every time at 50, 60 yards. That's just not, not me personally. Now, if I'm going to try to do that, I'm going to use, you know, probably an inch and seven or um, ounce and seven eighths, something like that. Um, maybe a heavy shot, heavy shot makes a good Magnum blend. Um, that's a, that's got five sixes and sevens in it. That's a uh, matter of wow. fact, federal makes a, sh- a shell called a third degree. <laughs> that, that's the exact same way. It's got number fives, number sixes and number sevens in it. Yeah, that's what I've got. I've got a couple boxes of that. You know, of course, I've never shot them. I patterned it, but right. I haven't shot at a turkey with one. But I've got, and it, like you said, it's just they're layered in there for like basically short, medium, and long that's right. shots. Yep. Now the problem with that is, is it'll tell on you too, and it'll, it'll fool you. Now, up close, it makes no difference. Now they tell you that that shot's good out long range, but the number of pellets you have that are good at long range is drastically decreased. You see what I'm saying? That. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the shorter ones are falling the shorter off, ones are falling off and they're not carrying that same amount of kinetic energy at that distance as to where you take say a Winchester mm-hmm. Longbeard XR or a double X or something like that. And a five or six, that's going to carry a lot more rent, a lot more knockdown power down range versus a uh, federal third degree. That's got five sixes and sevens. Your five and sixes are going to do pretty good at that range, but your sevens are going to fall off. Yeah, and a lot of this, a lot of this matters with your gun and your choke, yeah, right? Definitely. So, what, what, what gun do you shoot? And what choke do you use? Man, I, I tell you, I've got a. I'm a fan of just because my gun shoots really well, but I've got a Remington Nitro Mag, eight eight seven Nitro Mag, and that's the shells I use are Winchester Longbeard XRs. Gotcha. Do you have a, a, a like a kicks turkey choke in it or anything like that? Or what do you I use? actually, man, I, I shoot a Coyote choke, a Carlson's Coyote choke in my gun. Okay. And that pattern, and that's just had the best pattern for that's you. patterned for me, and it shoots extremely. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah that's that's the one thing that I remember my, at our hunting club that they uh, or my shooting club that they talked about. If you're going to turkey hunt, just find the best shells for the best for your gun. Everyone's different, and get the choke that better, best, works best for your gun. Yep. and stick with yep, it. Yep, that's right. I mean, I don't you, – you'll see a lot of guys post on Facebook or something that'll say, man, I've got a Remington 1180, 1100, and it's three-inch gun. What shells do I shoot? I mean, that that's such a broad range, man. I mean, I've – my you know, my family, we've got the whole – between me, my brother, and my dad, we've got every 1100 series gun they made from the 410 to 16, 20, 12, all the way through. But my brother has an 1100 vented rib, and I have an 1100 vented rib. My gun shoots federal double lots very well as far as a buckshot load. In his, he would be better off to throw a box of gravel. His gun does not shoot those well. He actually shoots a Winchester shell out of his gun. So, I mean, it's just like buckshot patterning, just like any kind of rifle, man. You're, you're going to have to shoot that gun and see what it likes. Yeah, true that, man. True that. So what about like, okay, you get a turkey. Uh-huh. You know, I've seen, I've watched a couple of videos about them just basically breasting it out. I've seen the stuff where they take the whole bird. What's your philosophy on a bird? On how to clean it? Yeah, or what do you do? Man, you clean the whole bird I'm gonna and hit, just breast it out? Or what do you I'm going to hit you with an old school way, man. I, I'll, I'll pull the innards out of that bird, and then I bring that bird home. I hang him upside down, and I pour boiling hot water on it, and I wipe every feather off of it. Really? Yep. So that just lets it, that just pulls him right yep. off when you boiling hot water? Pour boiling hot water on top of it, like hang him upside down by his feet. I'll pour boiling hot water on it, and you can literally take your hands and just wipe the feathers right off of it. Oh, yeah. tip of the day. There you go. Turkey tip of the day. You, Roger how, how, to, how to clean a bird. <laughs> <laughs> how to clean a bird in five minutes. That's right. That's good. Well, hey, I, I have, this is a totally off-the-subject question, but does that work with ducks as well? Man, I couldn't tell you. I, I don't know if it does. Uh, I've never really been a duck hunter. That's a good question, and you're you're well, going to make me look that up now because I'd like to know that myself. Because I went uh, the this land that I've gotten, we can duck hunt on it. I've never had land where I could duck hunt, and so this past season, I, <coughs> me and my oldest son, really got into duck hunting, and lo and behold, we shot some. Nice. And I called Jeff. I called Jeff the day I shot my first duck. And I said, "Man, I'm going home clean this joker." 
Yeah, it was a I, man. I just got to one point. I just felt bad yeah. for a dead duck. I was <laughs> that, yeah, duck, duck got his last <laughs> laugh, didn't it? It was terrible. It was it was horrible, and I was like, "Good lord!" But anyway, that just made me think. I wonder if that works with a duck. <laughs> well, go kill you another duck, Chris, and you can report back. That's that. right. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, yeah. yeah, man. Well, Roger, we shared a little bit of our stories yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, when Chris and I kind of did the intro for the show here today is, you know, is there a story or two you got out there that, that, that you always remember or laugh about, or you and your buddies tell when you've been turkey hunting that you'd be willing to share with us today? Uh, yeah, man. I'll I tell you that my brother never was a real big turkey hunter. He's always like deer hunting and stuff. And he used to shoot groundhogs and stuff in the summer or whatnot, but he never was big into turkey hunting. And I finally got him turned on about three or four years ago. And I, I said, man, come on, you know, I said, I'll put you on a bird, you know, let's do it. I said, once you hear him gobble and you get him strutting and drumming in front of you, man, I said, you'll, you'll be hooked in which he is now. But the first time he ever killed his turkey, you know, of course I did the calling for him and, you know, I, we had to move on the bird. He, he came in on us and hung up, but I knew where he came from and I knew I could get back around behind him. So I, I backed out and we doubled back around that bird, probably three or 400 yards. And I got on a ridge behind him where he just came from. So me and my brother, we started up the side of the ridge, and I said, I'm going to hit the call real quick and just see how far he is, you know. So I hit the call, and when I just – I hit like a just a real quick putt, just real quick, and he gobbled, and he couldn't have been 40 yards from us, but he was just over the crest of the hill. So I said, well, man, I said, Mark, grab a tree. I said, he's right here in front of us. So I sat down, Mark sat down, and the bird come over the side of the hill, and just his head just started coming up over the crest. And I told Mark, I said, there he is, there he is, there he is. So just in a second, Mark said, boom, he shot. And a bird took off running, and he went running down the ridge, and we seen him take flight. And we said, man, you know, how in the world did you miss that bird? You know, he was 25 yards from you. How'd you miss him? And Mark said, man, I don't, I don't know what I did, you know. So we stood there for probably two minutes just standing there chit-chatting and talking and said, man, you know, that stinks, you know, blah, blah, blah. Just in a second, I heard something. And I heard the leaves like kind of flop around. So we walked over over the hill. He ended up killing the bird. There was two gobblers that came in and one of them stayed silent. <laughs> one stayed silent the whole entire time. And that's the one we seen fly off. But we, we legitimately stood there for two or three minutes when we were about to walk off. <laughs> the only, the only reason it. we walked over there was to see where he missed. I wanted to, Honestly, I wanted to make fun of him and tell him he shot the whole side of the tree out. So I wanted to find the, the whole shot in the tree. And when we walked over there and heard that flop, I said, man, let's look again. And darn if that bird wasn't laying right there. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. That reminds me of the old Gary Larson or Gene Larson uh, or Gary Larson, whoever did the far side, those comments. I don't know if you ever saw that one where the guy had the, the two bears in his scope and one of the bears is looking at the scope and like pointing to the other. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Saying, shoot that one. Shoot that oh, one. Oh, man. So. Uh, that's hilarious, man. Well, I, uh, you know, I hope Roger that we get the chance to, to hunt a little bit together this spring. Yeah, man, we'll make it happen for sure. Get one down on the ground. And, uh, you know, you mentioned something there about finding a tree and it's kind of getting back on topic while I'm thinking Uh about it. No problem. So when it comes to turkey hunting, man, I've seen guys in the ghillie suits. I've seen guys, their faces painted. I've seen the hats with the full face stuff. I've had, you know, so when you turkey hunt, what's your camo and look of choice? Uh, Realtree AP. Um, I use, I'll use a Realtree AP green, you know, the, like the, the spring color green one. Um, yeah. And I mean, I just wear a ball cap and a face mask, but I mean, my face mask, I keep the top cut out of my face mask, like the whole head section. And I pull it down like a, like around my neck, kind of like a scarf type thing. That way when, you know, I can just slide it down and breathe and not have to take my hat off, take my mask off and all that. So I cut the top out of my face mask and just pull it down around my neck. And then, you know, if I get on a bird, I'll just pull it back up. Now, is your camo kind of the leafy kind or is it more just a print? Just a print. Okay. Yep, I don't get fancy with it. I do have a turkey vest that's got a nice, you know, foam seat that folds down in the back. You know, I I, I do think to to sit some birds out, you got to sit and wait them out and, and comfort is key with turkey hunting. Cause you got to sit very still for a very long time at points. So yeah. I, I reckon- now some for audience. Go ahead. Well, now some audience too, you may talk about sitting there for a while and I got one of those too, man. Those things are, those make a good day for oh, you. Yeah. Um, you know, so some of our audience, they might have all day season from the get. I know we're, we're half day for the first couple of weeks then all right. day the next day. That's right. Have you, have you had any differentiation in success with afternoon hunts versus morning hunts? Afternoon hunts, um, 
I, I kind of get on a feed thing. I, I worry more about food. And if it gets late in the evening, you know, and you're trying to kill one, you know, late in the afternoon, you go, go right back to where he roosts at because that bird's going to pretty much roost in the same general area. A lot of times the same exact tree until he gets spooked. So if you know where he flew down in the morning and you couldn't get on him, he'll be right back in that ridge in the evening. That, that's about the easiest way to kill one. I got you. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, cool. Well, Uncle Chris, you got anything else for Roger, man? Fire away, man. Well, I got one question. And and um, so I, I'm not good at calling. And so usually I try to take somebody with me uh-huh. uh, who's good at calling. And last, <laughs> last season, a friend of mine and I, um, we heard this guy, heard this gobbler and we were trying to close the distance and kind of like you and your brother. I mean, my friend was calling and, and when that thing hit, I mean, he was 20 yards from us. Uh, we were in some thick brush and so we, you know, get down right quick. And, uh, he says, he's going to be right here, right here, right here. I get the gun up. Probably way way behind, um in front of us off in a distance another gobbler hit uh-huh. and the gobbler that was right in front of us went to that gobbler okay like just turn and just turn and hightailed it i mean we kept hearing him getting further and further and further away i just i've always wondered and i can't find any I, in my research why would that gobbler leave and go to that other Gobble. Um, depending on the, I, did, I never heard that bird gobble, but if that bird had a really long drawn out, maybe a, maybe an excited hard gobble and he sounded like an, a, a bird that's less mature than himself, what he, what that bird gobbling told him was I'm a, I'm an immature bird, but I've got hens here. So basically oh, that, that gobbler gosh. thought to himself, I know there's hens over there. There's a gobbler there and I can run him off. I can take his hens from him. Uh, oh yeah yeah because man that that was the only really chance last season i had to really get on one i mean it was man that thing sounded like it was well it was it was literally right in front of us and and uh but anyway i was just wondering that yep. but yep that's more than likely what that was awesome well roger well, man we appreciate it man we appreciate you getting on here today is there anything you, you any other turkey turkey uh knowledge you'd share that we ain't maybe had a chance to talk about yet oh lord man I'm, well there's a billion that's what things. i'm saying man we, we could do this head. again and talk for hours um man i, I again I, I just reiterate man you know what we've kind of went over already you know just keep, keep the tone of your volume down to a minimum early especially unless you're late morning and you're trying to locate a bird then turn your volume up um other than that you know if people are you know if if you know, running and gunning is different because it's kind of, kind of hard to carry your decoys with you. But if you're hunting over decoys, man, decoy placement is a big key to that. Um, you know, a lot of guys, you know, they'll run two or three hens with them. So with hens, my my thing with hens are I'll use like a crouched or breeding hen and then a hen. That, that, that feeding hen, you want that feeding hen facing away from you. Because if that or, – or the like an alert hen or a feeding hen, if that hen's facing you, that that's telling that gobbler that she's looking in your direction for some reason. So a feeding or a feeding hen, I'll have a feeding or an alert hen facing away from me. You see what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. yeah, the I mean. same with a, with a breeding hen, I'll, I'll a breeding hen is all, always going to be approached by a gobbler from behind. Cause he's going to breed her from behind. So you want the breeding hen facing you, but you want an alert or a feeding hen facing the opposite direction. So decoy placement to me is, is kind of key on, on making a quick, easy shot. Cause I mean, I've had birds come in on me, especially in timber, you know, if fields are, it's a little different cause they'll strut around and give you, maybe give you a little better opportunities. But when you have select windows, you can shoot through when you're in the timber, the placement of that decoy is going to determine how that bird approaches your setup. Dude, mm. We got to talk about it. We got to talk about that. Yeah, no that, problem. I think so two things, if I'm sitting on the uh-huh. corner of a field, do you like I mean, this is a two sided question. If I'm sitting on the corner of a field and do do you put those decoys like on the edge of the field five, ten yards out? Number one. Number two, if you're in the middle of the woods, 
and you got one on you. Where are you trying to find a clearing and you're going to put it on it? Are you going to stand them up on the top of a stump? I mean, what are you in those two scenarios? Where are you I'm going to make it look as natural as possible. I'm not going to put it up on a stump necessarily because she's not going to be standing on a stump for most most instances. Now, if there's a little knoll in the woods, like a high point, I'll set my decoys on that high point so that he can visually see them from a distance. You know what I mean? It, but you don't need them in a – yeah, but they don't need to be in a clearing in the woods. They anywhere, can just be anywhere in the woods. Yep, in, anywhere in the woods. The most visible place that he can see them. If it's in a clearing, put them in a clearing in the woods. If it's on a little knoll or a ridge or something, put them on a ridge. Just the most visible place that he can see them. But in the timber, I'm going to have those decoys 10 or 15 yards from me because I want to draw him as close as I can draw him to those decoys. In a field, you know, that you may be able to put him a little further because he's, he's going to see him a little easier and, you know, your shot can reach further. If if he comes up on you in a field at 40 yards, you know, you can you can fold him up. But if he's 40 yards in the timber, there's a lot of stuff could be in your way. Mm. Yeah, and how far back in the woods do you like to sit on Just the inside the, the cover. Okay. Just inside the cover. I don't like to get gotcha. back in there because it kind of limits it. Again, it's, it's limiting your shot. I'm glad you brought that up because that's a that's a uh, something I've always struggled with. I got a couple decoys and you know I don't know what to put out, but you made a good point. I might have had them pointing towards me. Right, and, and times. that's right, and better, you know, and right? to me that that's a that's a big. I, I learned a lot from an old guy years ago doing the same thing with decoys. I, I didn't. I would just go and I'd stick them in the field and I'd put two or three hens or two or three jakes out and I'd sit there and you know sometimes I'd kill a bird and sometimes they look at my decoys and something's not right and they go the other direction. So. I had to learn that the hard way, you know. Right. Yeah, it's, it's experience. Yeah, that's right. It's experience. Well, cool. Well, well, Roger, man. Hey, I want to give you a chance to to talk to to give a quick commercial for what you, what your day job is. A lot of our listeners are in the Tidewater area, in the Northern Neck area. So, Roger, won't you tell them what you do and throw your phone number out there? Maybe, man. I would love that. Out. I appreciate it. Um, I'm a tile installer full time. I do custom tile work. Um. But the name of my business is Tile by Design Incorporated. Um, we do have a Facebook page. You can look it up on there. Um, my phone number is 804-824-5847. And I pretty much serve anywhere in Tidewater or surrounding areas, man. And, uh, That's great, dude. I'm sure if our listeners have any turkey questions, maybe they can ask oh, yeah. you some questions. Well, hey, if, you, if you've got some turkey land, we, we can work some deals out. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's fine, dude. That's awesome. Well, well, man, Roger, we really appreciate your time again. We and and we actually do have the blue collar commandos swagging now. So I got some awesome. stuff I need to get to you awesome. for being on our show and and uh and uh to in appreciation of your time and and I know Uncle Chris and, and and I can speak for him too. And we just appreciate your friendship and your knowledge and and giving us your time to talk about it. Talk about hunting on our podcast. No, man, man. I'm really I'm just I've man I've been blessed my whole life to be able to spend a lot of times outdoors and. You know, as, as with anything, you know, even a trade, it's it's not worth anything if you can't pass it on and share it. And, you know, especially with the outdoors, man, I'm, I'm such a huge advocate. And any time I can or or take a young person hunting or even an older person that's just getting into it and just learning, you know, if I can if I can, you know, fuel that fire for the outdoors in any way, shape or form, I'm all for it. That sounds great, man. Well, we appreciate it. With that, we're going to. Let Roger get out of here, and Uncle, we're going to take a quick break. And Uncle Chris and I will come back to wrap up the podcast. And uh, and we got our devotion. Chris, going, Uncle Chris, going to share with us and close out the show. So again, Roger, thanks a lot, and we'll Thank be you. back in just a minute. Hey, everybody, we're back. We really appreciate uh, Roger Minton coming on, and Chris. Wow, man, what do you think? Well, as Roger, I know he's been on before and uh, set the bar really high the first time. Uh, he was on here, but man, he did not disappoint the, I mean, I was just thinking as I was listening to him, um, I, I don't know that I'll ever get to the level of experience and knowledge he has because he was so knowledgeable about deer hunting. I thought, yeah, I don't, I mean, is he going to be, but man, he's so knowledgeable about turkey hunting yeah, and, man. um, Probably the, the, the biggest, the two biggest takeaways that I took away from that, that to me or for me was the not calling loudly first thing in the morning. Um, that was a huge, that was a huge <laughs> yeah. uh, thing for me. And then um, the second thing was the, the decoy placement, man. I mean, I, dude, I didn't, I didn't even know about any of that. 
I didn't either. I loved how he said, you don't get up in the morning. <laughs> Start screaming at your family. <laughs> that, that's, that's a hilarious. good visual. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he didn't hit on this, but I got a feeling he would be in this camp. But my that your two takeaways were exactly my two takeaways. And, and I, you know, old Amory I hunt with, man, he is, as, a, as the old saying goes, vote early, vote often. Man, he calls early and calls often. He just lets it rip loud for, you know, every – 30 seconds he's making a call and what i got from roger was quiet and not as often and and yeah. when they're inside or when they're close shut up i've been yeah, just now, trying to call them in when i see them. now that's the one thing that i have picked up on my buddies so i've been going with i did I, I did know that that once they get to a certain distance um just stop calling all together and um so, yeah yeah yeah, that's something I gotta I gotta get better at. But the decoys too, and I and I know some people are fans of decoys, some people aren't. Um, I've got a couple decoys, and and I'll use them. I mean, I'll throw them out there. But as you said, man, I think I've had this thing probably pointing right at me, looking at them. So you know, I I know that I never had that perspective on they're looking at something in the woods, and that might spook the bird. So yeah, yeah, I like it, Good man. Stuff, well, man. Me too. I'm looking forward to uh to getting out again this season. Then so both of us got a week or so before we can get out there and and put some of these things to practice, but it doesn't mean we can't go out there, especially if you got 700 acres, dude, you need to be out in the woods a little bit in the next couple of days. And at least just sitting there and listening, see what you can find or hear or all those things, man. So, yeah. So I know tomorrow and Thursday, uh, tomorrow and Saturday I'll, I'll be out there, but, um, but during yeah. this time that this, that we're all living in, uh, you would think, as a pastor friend of mine said, you would think that we it would be kind of slow for us. But, man, this is uh, – I've been working 10, 12-hour days and long hours. And so um, yeah. it hasn't been slow at all. Yeah, it is. You know, we, it, we as we talk about with the, the the virus situation going on, it does definitely – a game changer. And in your line of work, that's definitely a, a time to rise and shine is uh, more more than ever maybe in that space. and. And yet be be vigilant with what we do to protect ourselves, but respectful for those that are having having losses and struggling with that stuff. And uh, and we definitely keep them in our thoughts and prayers. And, you know, you know, Chris, as we kind of transition to the to my favorite part of this, where we talk about your devotion and what you've got on, on your heart. You know, we we're using some of the music from Jed Bass to kind of theme these devotions around. And and this week's song, which we'll play at the end of the end of the segment is called Jesus comes to save. And so Chris, when you, when you hear that man, you know, kind of take us home and, and tell us what's on your mind around that stuff. Yeah. I was listening to that uh, song today, as a matter of fact, and, and it's such a great message. I, I'm so thankful that, um, that Jed is, is agreed to kind of partner with us. He, he's, he's just extremely talented. And this song really, to me, it, you know, I love praise and worship. I love more contemporary type, what is <laughs> contemporary now. Um, but this song is, is, it just speaks to the mission that Jesus came to the earth. You know, so many, especially right now, we're, we're a little over a week away from Easter. Um, and, you know, that song sums up why Jesus came to the earth, you know, you talk to a lot of different people and ask them why Jesus came. Um, you'll get a lot of different answers. He came to be a good example or he came to teach us or he came to, to live out the uh, perfect life and uh, miracles and, and all these different things. But the scripture is, is there's no gray area on why Jesus came. Uh, he didn't hide the fact the the old Testament uh, prophets prophesied the same message that Jesus, when he came to earth, it's the same message that he preached. He, um, he came to die. Um, his mission on the earth. Now he was a good teacher, perfect teacher. He was a perfect man and is a perfect man. And, and he lived a sinless life and he did all those things. But the, the scripture is not silent when it, when it says Jesus came for one mission and that mission. In fact, I, I Jeff, I want to just read out of the, uh, 
Gospel of Luke. It's a pretty simple story. We all, if we grew up in church, we learned it in Sunday school or Bible school. And it's a it's a story of Jesus going through the town of Jericho and and he comes out of Jericho and crowds are following him and and people are just uh, really huddled around him. And there was a guy that, that I like in scripture. Uh, his name is Zacchaeus. Uh, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. The, the song says <laughs> short little guy. And um, but he was a tax collector and, and he was uh, he was hated. He, he, he was hated by the people. Uh, he, he, you know, tax collectors in that day, they were um, maybe like in our day, they were thieves and and um, they robbed their own people for their own gain. And but Zacchaeus was a little guy, and as he saw Jesus coming through the crowd, he couldn't get a good look at him. And we know the story. He climbed up in a tree to to get a better look at Jesus. And uh, Jesus was laser focused, even though he's in the middle of all this crowd, he's laser focused on why he is on the earth. And so he goes over to that tree and he says to Zacchaeus, come down. Um, I'm going to stay at your house tonight. Well, this sent the religious people just in a, they just sent them in a whirlwind because why would this rabbi, why would this teacher, this this Jew, why would he associate with a, a, a thieving, lying sinner, tax collector like Zacchaeus? And then down in verse number nine of chapter 19, after Zacchaeus invites Jesus to his house, Jesus emphatically says, and he says to Zacchaeus, but he says it so that the religious could hear. He says, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. He came to seek and to save the lost. Now, right now in this country and around the world, we're living in unusual times. Uh, We're living in times that um, is unprecedented for us. I know there have been certainly pandemics in the past, but not for us. This is the first one we've ever lived through that's been this dramatic and deadly. And But the reality is Jesus didn't come to save us from a coronavirus. Um, he, he didn't come to save us from physical sickness. Sometimes in his sovereignty, he chooses to heal our physical sickness, but Jesus came to save that which doesn't kill the body, but also kills the soul. And that means it separates us eternally from God. And that, that is called sin. And we're going to get through, eventually, we're going to get through a coronavirus. Um, eventually, life will get back to normal. <clears throat> but um, what we can't get over there's no vaccine. There's no remedy for, for sin except Jesus Christ. And so as we celebrate in a couple of weeks, Easter, I, I want to encourage you. <clears throat> if you've never believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, there's no better time than right now. And it doesn't matter what I love about Christianity is um, there's no prerequisites. All you have to do is Come to Christ and believe on Jesus Christ. Believe on him. Believe that he is God. Believe that he was resurrected from the dead and put your faith in him. And the Bible says that if you believe that and trust that, then you will be saved. And so as we think about that and and think about what this time of the year means, um, it means that Jesus Christ did exactly what he said he was going to do. He came to seek and to save the lost. And so I'm so thankful, Jeff, that that in my life that um, that God opened my eyes to the reality of who he is. And not because I'm a preacher, man, but um, I'm just a man uh, who needed salvation. And as my favorite uh mentor and pastor says i'm just one beggar trying to give another beggar a piece of bread man and um and so um i pray for you guys during this time pray for your families pray that you'll be safe but let's not miss what god has for us during this time 
Um, I don't want to come out of this pandemic the same way I went into it uh, spiritually. I, I want to be I want to be changed through this, and I want to be closer to Christ. I want to depend on Him more, trust Him more emphatically, and love Him more deeply. So, God bless you. Right. God bless you as you as we get through these days. Awesome. Well, thanks, Uncle Chris. Good word, timely word, and uh, and you know, if anybody has any questions about um, their faith or, or heard the words that Chris said, um, wants to get in touch with us, you can reach out to us. We're on, you know, email bluecollarcommandos at gmail.com. We've got a Facebook page, two dollar bills and the blue collar commandos. We're we're at uh we're on Twitter. We're you know we we're out there. Just reach out to us. Happy Absolutely. to talk to you and uh and and speak with you and pray with you and and um and get you through this process but but for that chris man this is uh the fourth fourth episode and and i think we got some good stuff around turkey hunting i think we might have actually have some additional turkey hunting topics coming up and and maybe future episodes as well and and we can keep people posted on the successes and we'd love to hear from you if you've got if you've had some turkey hunting success this year shoot us a picture text us Absolutely. or tweet us man Absolutely. we'd love to we'd love to put it out there for y'all and uh and have some fun with this stuff so um you know so with that thanks for listening to us the fourth episode we look forward to talking to y'all again and and just a reminder he's uncle chris i'm uncle jeff you're the blue collar commandos we're the two dollar bills and we ask you just to remember to rule the woods one step at a time thanks see ya Christ there.